Father God, we lift up tonight, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name over this time in the Word. Y'all just agree with me. Lord, I pray that you would speak through me your words of life. And Lord, it would come out as living seeds of truth sown into good fertile soil of hearts and minds. Lord, I ask as you speak through me, let it be rhema, let it be life, or let it be fresh manna from heaven, the word of the Lord. And I pray that the word will shine forth as truth, as light, shining and dispelling any type of darkness. And Lord, I pray that it would be a piercing light that goes deep down into the spirit and brings revelation. Not just hearing with the mind, but hearing with the ears of the spirit and seeing with the eyes of the spirit. It would really get down in people and bring revelation. And Lord, I ask that this would not just be something heard, but it be something retained and applied. Because I feel even now as I'm praying that this is not just a word, but it's coming with power tonight. And there's going to be an impartation that is going to combine with the word and help people to be activated into a whole new realm of prayer. And Lord, we thank you for it. And Lord, I pray that even now you would anoint our eyes to see and ears to hear. And water these seeds of truth and let them take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains. And your word says in the, the parable of the seed and sower that the enemy tries to come like birds and steal the seed. But we as a corporate body take authority and bind that. It's not going to happen. We bind away those birds that would try to steal the seed of the word of God. We bind it away. And Lord, we ask you to let it go forth and bear fruit among the nations of the earth. Because people will hear this in other countries, in other places. And Lord, that the anointing would be released even now through the live stream and through whatever recordings as people are watching and hearing this and touch them where they're at in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you for it. Alright, I'm going to pick up where I left off last week. Let me just say something real quick before I get into this. I'm going to do, after this prayer series, God's given me a word about apostles and then another word about prophets. So I'm going to kind of go into the fivefold ministry. How I many of you guys would like to hear some teaching on that? But I'm going to tell you about the apostolic real fast, and is this. There's a huge difference between authority that has been established by heaven and authority that has been established by man. And I need you to hear me. Let God give you ears to hear. Because in these last days before Jesus comes, there's going to be some things restored. And one of the things God is already in the work it, right now, the details are being worked out, but God is in the works right now restoring the true apostolic ministry. And when you have a true apostolic ministry, how many knows the Bible says to test the apostles and see if they're really apostles? Because not everybody says they are, are at all. But there are true apostles. I'm going to tell you, when you have a true apostolic ministry, it is something that has a mantle from heaven. And with that mantle comes rights and privileges and authority. And it has authority geographically, meaning that that mantle will carry with it geographic authority. Let's use Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex as an example, that, you, that an apostle will have authority in that region over the princes and powers in, in that geographic region to bring the kingdom of God in. Did everybody hear that? To bring the kingdom of God in with signs and wonders with power. And they will have true authority from heaven commissioned 
to bring the kingdom of God in and see souls saved and see revival and see a dwelling place for God's presence. But there's a big difference between that and man-made authority. And there's too many um, organizations and different things that it is a man-made authority. Now here's the problem with man-made authority. Man-made authority is really an illegitimate authority in the kingdom of God. Because there's only one head. That's Christ. But man-made authority runs on politics. People will be voted into positions. It's political. And it does not have the mantle from heaven. It does not have that authority. And so, the biblical definition for witchcraft is this. It is an illegitimate authority that has to operate through manipulation and intimidation to control. And you'll find when they don't have real authority from God, they're really commissioned with a mantle, apostolic authority, they don't have that. What you see is you see men that begin to bully, they begin to intimidate, they begin to control, they begin to manipulate and play their politics. And it's a, it's a witchcraft is what it is, but it's an illegitimate authority. It's not from heaven. It's man. And what you're going to find in these last days is because of a great revival, there's going to become a great tearing apart, a tearing away from those that are going to go back to Book of Acts Christianity apart from those that are going to stay with the same old thing. This is good preaching. I'm not going to get too much in the apostolic tonight at all, but I felt to share that because there's got to be true Book of Acts, biblical Christianity again. I believe if the Apostle Paul was here among us today, he would literally be confused at the things he sees because it does not look like the Christianity that he laid down his life to establish on the earth. It doesn't look like what he was around. And I really believe if he was here today and was looking at it, he would get confused and go, what is this? This is some kind of a hybrid. And God is going to pull things back to true biblical Christianity. Do you love God's presence? Alright, I'm going to give you a couple of things. I'm picking up, picking up where I left off last week. But let me say something I said last week. Leonard Ravenhill said this. He said, if, so, if a minister, and so, many of you are called to be in the ministry. He said, if a minister does not pray at least two hours a day, he's worthless to God. That's what Leonard Ravenhill said. Dr. Cho broke down the, uh, the teaching in the Bible where Jesus was sweating drops of blood and he came to the apostles three times and said, could you not tarry one hour? And that was a pattern that the disciples were called to pray an hour, but Jesus was called to pray three hours because he did it three times. So the pattern is that those that are in the ministry should have extended prayer lives. And I said this last week, I don't want it to be legalistic. There's days I'm able to pray more than others. I don't want it to be a dead ritual, and I don't want it to be anything condemning. If you're new to prayer, start out, you know, 15, 20, 30 minutes, just start out small and let it build, okay? I don't want it to be something that in any way is religious or has any condemnation attached to it. All my heart is is just that we go deeper, okay? Let's go deeper in prayer. So that our prayer lives extend. 
Let's let them become more rich and powerful than they've ever been. Let's let them blossom into everything God's called them to be. And I do believe if we're called into the ministry that we should have extended prayer lives. And I see too many ministries out there that are running around and, and they're working so hard. I mean, they, they are, they're, doing, they're trying to do more than what they actually can do because they're frustrated. There's so much to do and they can't get it all done. And they run around frustrated. But I'm here to tell you, in America, it's, it, the world's worst about it. If they would pull back and they would pray a couple hours in the morning and cover their day in prayer, cover the ministry in prayer, get people interceding, hold corporate prayer meetings, they would find that prayer alleviates so much of that. Their days are more fruitful. Time seems to work with them instead of against them. They're able to get more done than they could ever imagine. All these little fires that the devil keeps starting, they don't get started because the Lord takes care of it. And it's like if people would learn to make prayer the, the most important part of their life and ministry, they would reap the benefits of a more fruitful, more productive ministry and a greater anointing. Because I'm going to tell you, the anointing comes out of prayer. So what I want to do is I want to pick up where I left off last week. I left off last week with just kind of an introduction to this, and I, came, I got into the blood. And that's where I want to, to take this today. I'm going to do probably about two or three more teachings on prayer. But today I want to talk about how do you approach God. This is the beginning of your prayer time. As I said last week, you wake up, your hair's all messed up, you know, you're rubbing your eyes, you're making your coffee, you know, you're in your PJs, okay? And this is the beginning. How do you come into God's presence? How do you enter into prayer? That's what I want to talk about, okay? And let me say one more thing because some people... This has, been, this has come up, so let me just address this. Jesus got up in the morning and prayed, and I believe there is something about getting up and starting your day with prayer, but I do realize that the combination of some people's crazy work hours with the fact that they're not a morning person, that if they tried to pray in the morning, they would be frustrating and they would be so tired, they would feel like it's not really productive. And so they say, wouldn't it be better for me to maybe pray in the evening? I don't see anything wrong with that. God's not religious. He's not legalistic. It doesn't have to be a certain way. Okay, But I do believe, if possible, that you start your day with prayer. But if you can't, when you pray in the evening time, that you pray over the following day. Because the whole point of praying in the morning is to cover the day in prayer. So if you pray in the evening, you need to be not looking behind you. You need to be looking in front of you for the next day and covering that day in prayer. Okay, But the point is, is having a rich, powerful prayer life. I believe with all my heart, I'm convinced of this, that we can walk in God's presence. I'm convinced that we can walk under an open heaven, and like Mahesh Shabda says, in the glory bubble, and you can literally walk in God's presence. I'm convinced of it. I'm convinced that every day you can walk in a fresh anointing filled with the Spirit, and you can walk in that, and around you things are affected. But it's only going to come out of prayer. So how do we approach God? Now, I'm going to deal with approaching God, but I'm also going to deal with something else. What I'm going to be talking about, if you will hear it and really give me your best ear, and you will apply it, your life can radically change. And I'm not just talking about prayer, I'm talking about your whole life. 
There can be a level of freedom come into your life that will be amazing. But let me read a few scriptures and get into this. Number one, I want to read, um, the Bible talks about entering into God's gates, entering into His gates with thanksgiving and praise. It does not say enter God's gates with your grumbling and your complaining. What that means if you enter in with your grumbling and complaining is you're probably not going to get past the gate. (laughs) But if you enter into His gates with thanksgiving and praise, you'll get into the throne room. The Bible says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. But listen, the renewing of your mind. Too many people have nasty, stinking thinking. Stinking thinking, as we would say in Texas. And we've got to renew our minds. And the Bible says that you're transformed. The word transformed in the Greek is metamorpho. It's where we get the word metamorphosis. It is literally the change between the caterpillar to the butterfly. If you look at a caterpillar and set it beside a butterfly, it's a radically different life. The caterpillar is forced to go up and down with the contour of the world. It lives in the dust and it is forced with the up and downs of the world. And there are many things that get in front of it and it has to turn and go around things. Too many Christians are living in the ups and downs of the world. They're conformed to the world. And there's a lot of things they run up against that they have to work their way around. But the butterfly life soars above all of that. Did you get that? You're no longer conformed to the world's thinking And you're no longer stuck in the patterns of the world. When the world has its ups and downs, you're just fine. You're soaring above it. But it only comes by the renewing of your mind. I've seen a handful of people over the years, and I've even preached sermons like this, and they heard them and all that, that they, they just flat refused to apply the Word of God. They were still having their little pity parties, their little wine sessions, you know, whiny, whiny, and just crybabies. And they were were negative. I'm just being real. They were negative. They were grumblers. They never repented and changed. And they lived tormented the whole time I knew them. They were tormented. That is not the will of God. And there's certain things that God wants us to do that we do and He helps us to do. One of them is renew your mind. That means you're going to change the way you think. But God wants you to do it and He will help you. In other words, you can't sit there passively and God just think for you. He will help you, but it is you disciplining your mind. This this pattern of prayer I'm about to give you will help you tremendously with this and change your life. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.16, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Does that say give thanks when things are good and not when they're bad? No, it says give thanks in all circumstances. That's what it says. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. 
James 1.2 says, Consider it pure joy, brothers, when you face trials of many kind. So we're supposed to count it joy, even through the dark times. I heard Pat Robertson say the other day, he said that throughout his life, he's gone through some ups and downs, he's been through some wonderful times and some very difficult times, but he said he learned to always praise and thank God through all of it, good or bad, and because of that, he would always come through victorious. See, the grumblers and complainers and negative people, that's fine if they want to live that way. They will live tormented lives, miserable, tormented lives. And they, it, number one, it's sin. Number two, they'll probably stay in the same little circle in their life the rest of their life. And everybody else goes on in God into great things. And they're sitting around in their little complaining little circle going round and round. Isn't that a sad life? There are some people that are 80 years old that will go to the grave at this little wilderness pattern that they have in their lives because of this one issue. They've never broke out into any type of destiny. They've never broke out into any type of purpose in their life. Things God had planned for them, those blessings had to go to somebody else. God had to use somebody else. He couldn't use them. And so it's learning how to break out of old, stinking thinking. And move into the thoughts and the patterns that God has for us. Let me read you a few things. Grumbling and complaining keeps people in the wilderness. Pity parties creates an atmosphere of death and depression. It does. You want to have an atmosphere of death in your home and depression. Sit around and have a little pity party. Turn the lights out. Think about every bad thing that's ever happened to you in life. Sit around and cry about it. And you'll find yourself depressed. And there'll be a heavy darkness in that house. Depression is seeing things from the dark side. Did everybody hear that? I know some people say, well, depression is, is a clinical thing. I, haven't, I have never seen that be true yet. I've seen people that are on medication for it. If it was a clinical thing, then they would be happy with the medicine. But they're not. So what I've seen is is that depression has to do with two things. Number one, it has to do with, with seeing things in your mind through the dark side. You're perceiving it through the dark side. And number two, it can be a bondage to the devil. But I promise you it's not from God. An undisciplined soul creates depression and mental instability. See, somebody that doesn't have discipline in their soul area, they're miserable and they make everybody else miserable. I'm being real. They ruin, they ruin other people's days. They'll be really, listen to me, they'll be really high one day, really happy and ecstatic and bouncing off the walls. They are just had the best day ever. And the next day, they're in the darkest depression you've ever seen. And then they're up and then they're down. Then they're up and then they're down. And then whenever they're down, they want to ruin everybody else's day around them. It goes back to an undisciplined soul, an undisciplined mind. An undisciplined soul allows spiritual death and physical health problems. Let me say that again. An undisciplined soul allows spiritual death and it allows physical health problems. Some people's health problems is only because they have an undisciplined soul. And it's giving place to the devil. And not only that, but I believe even people that have an undisciplined soul that are really deal with depression and stuff, that alone can cause health problems. But thanksgiving and praise 
moves things forward into your destiny. It moves things forward into the blessings that God has for you. It moves things forward into answered prayers. And it moves things forward into victory over your enemies. That's the power of praise. So when you come into God's presence and you begin to pray, you enter into His gates with thanksgiving and praise, even if your life is going through trials. Because I'm not saying this to be disrespectful or mean, but I promise you, you're not the only person that has gone through trials in your life. In fact, probably, you don't even have to look too far to see people that's gone through something that's just as bad and maybe even worse. The thing is, are we going to see life with the glass half empty or half full? And that's a reality. Some people, it's like they have these sunglasses on where they can't see anything but negative. It's difficult being around people like that. And somebody else in the same circumstance, you can, you know, we've met people like this. My wife, she, there's, a, there's a precious young lady that has come through that disabilities officer in A&M. She's a quadriplegic. And she's up there at school, and she's going to school to get some degree. Just the sweetest little girl. And she never sits around whining and complaining ever about being paralyzed. She loves Jesus. Now, it's interesting that my wife is the one interpreting for her because she just loves Jesus. But she just loves Jesus. She's always talking about Jesus. She's praising Jesus before every test. She's praying to Jesus. And she's just a happy person. And then you find somebody else that's got full mobility in their arms and legs that sits around and whines and complains all the time. Jesus sees both of them at the same time. Jesus sees the people in third world countries that are having to eat stuff that you and I would run away from. And they have dirty water. And He sees all this. He's seeing those people sit around a meal that is disgusting to us and thank Him with everything in them. Thank you, Jesus, so much that we have food to eat today. And then He sees the person over in America whining and complaining about something. Jesus sees them at the same time. (laughs) This is good preaching. But people that live in that negativity and they see things that way, it's it's a sad, pitiful life of defeat. It really is. It's a sad life of defeat. And it's like it's like going up to the devil and he doesn't even have to punch you. You're already laying down on the ground acting like he just slugged you one. The joy of the Lord is our strength, amen? But listen, here's what I want to talk about. I, I wanted to get to that because how do you practically... One of the, my goals in preaching is to help people practically put things in your life and begin to actually do something different tomorrow, okay? So, okay, we talk about being joyful and all that. How are you practically going to renew your mind if you've had an issue with this? How are you going to go into new realms of faith and joy And how are you going to think completely different? This is where I believe its birth is out of your personal prayer life. Because when you come into prayer, whenever that is, and you begin to pray, the first thing you have to do is come through the blood of Jesus. If you'll hear this tonight and really get this, I believe this will totally, completely transform your life. And I'm believing that God will bring it to you in the way of revelation. 
But the blood of Jesus is so powerful. And if you want to, you can take communion during that time with just you and the Lord. You know, get some juice and some crackers that you set aside. Uh, and just, you know, pray over it, set it aside to be used for communion. You can get up in the morning and you can pray. And as you get alone with the Lord, the first thing you're going to do is come through the blood. Where the blood of Jesus is, the glory will come. See, you know what you felt tonight during worship? You felt the glory. You can have that glory in your home. You can have that glory in your bed at night when you're asleep. You can have that glory as you, as you take communion and worship and pray. You can have that glory as you go out through your day. But the only way you're going to have that glory is by the blood of Jesus. But as you come in and you begin to pray, and you, and you have communion there, you don't have to take communion, but you can. You take communion. and you begin, That's why I've been doing this with you guys at the beginning of service. But you, you come in and you look at the cross in your mind's eye, you picture. Now, why is it so important that your imagination part is seeing things differently? Because that's part of renewing your mind. That's why it's so important that your imagination is seeing things differently. You're seeing, when you pray and you close your eyes, you're seeing answered prayers. You're seeing things happen. You're seeing God on the move. You're seeing bodies healed. You're seeing the change happen you're praying for. That's important because that's part of renewing your mind. Some people, they'll pray... They'll say, okay, Lord, I believe. But then they go out and they're imagining with their mind, they're imagining the opposite. They're seeing in their future fearful things, defeat, negativity, and it causes them to be double-minded. How many knows that the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways? So here it is. You've got one aspect of you that you're trying to believe. It's like the spirit man in you is believing. The flesh is weak and the battlegrounds in the mind. And here you are in your mind dealing with negative images and thoughts and it causes instability. But whenever you renew your mind to the scriptures and you renew your mind to what Jesus paid for, it causes your imagination and your thoughts to be full of faith and you come out of that prayer time believing God for things you could never believe before. And not only that, but please hear some of these things I'm saying. The word of God has got to get out of just being in your head and it's got to sink down and land in your heart. That's where true faith is born. The only way that that happens is by meditating on that word. And it gets down in you. I've heard people describe, they study out the Bible. And they describe meditation in the scriptures as being the way like a, a cow will chew its cud, you know. And it's like you sit there and meditate on it. But a cow will sit there and chew the cud. Then they'll swallow but it's like that's what you're doing. Your mind is meditating on this and then it goes down into your spirit. When it gets into your spirit, it ignites true faith. How do I get faith? Well, that's one way. You start meditating and get that Word of God down in you. Because, see, the Bible says it is with the heart that man believes. And then it's with the mouth that you confess. That's the pattern. So you get the Word down in your spirit. So, in a practical sense, when you are praying in the morning and you're looking at Jesus on the cross and you're saying, Lord, you've got the, the wafer and the juice in your hand and you're looking in your mind's eye, you see Jesus on the cross and you see that He's there and He bore your sin on that cross. 
And you begin to go in your mind with these scriptures that you've memorized. And you say, Lord, I thank you that God made him who was, who'd had no sin be sin for me. That in him, I become the righteousness of God. And you're looking at the cross and you're meditating on the fact that now because of this sacrifice, I am right now becoming the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Right now. And you quote 1 Peter 2.24, Lord, you bore my sin in your body on the cross that I might die to sin and live for righteousness. And what happens is, is that you're, as you're picturing the blood of Jesus washing over you and your family and making you totally, completely pure and holy, that's the way you begin to see yourself. That's the way you begin to think. Your mind is being renewed. Now you're seeing yourself the righteousness of God. Now you're seeing yourself holy. Why is that important? Because the Bible says in James 5.14, I'm using the Amplified, the prayers of a righteous man make tremendous power available, dynamic, and it's working. But now you can really believe that. Now you can really, truly believe that my prayers have awesome power. Because I am righteous. And you're not righteous because of yourself. You're righteous because of the blood. And because you're keeping your focus on the cross and the blood, you're not getting puffed up with pride. Because you realize what Paul said, there's nothing good in me but Jesus. This is so important. Because as your imagination, as you're seeing the blood of Jesus wash you clean, and as your thought life is meditating on those scriptures, it's getting down into your spirit. It's changing the way you see things, the way you think, and it's changing who you are. And there's coming a greater boldness and a greater faith. Now as you pray, and you're, and you're worshiping, and you're watching the blood of Jesus come over your life, and you're covered in the blood, now you can realize, okay, now the blood's on my life, I'm washed in the blood, I'm holy, now the glory can come in this place and visit me. Now the glory can settle on me. I can be in God's manifest presence. There's no hindrance because I'm righteous because of the blood. And then, as you're picturing Jesus there on the cross, you begin to go around to the back of the cross. And you look up at the back of the cross where he took those stripes. And in your mind's eye, you're seeing those stripes on his back. And you see that he, he paid for your healing. And you begin to, because you've now memorized these scriptures, so they're in, your, they're in you. And now you're looking at those stripes, and here you've got that wafer in your hand that represents the body. And you're sitting here looking at those stripes and you, and you begin to say, Jesus, I thank you. Yes, you were pierced for my transgressions, bruised for my iniquity. The punishment that brought peace was on you. And by your stripes, I'm healed right now. And I receive the virtue, the healing virtue of the cross flowing into me and my family right now. And you're picturing, in your, in your imagination, you're seeing that virtue of heaven, that power of the, of the Holy Spirit. You're seeing that power of healing flow in your body. And not only your body, but into your heart, if you, if you need inner healing. And flowing into your family. Remember, there's one lamb per household. And you're looking there and you're saying, Jesus, 1 Peter 2.24 says, By your stripes I was healed 2,000 years ago. And you quote Matthew 8.17, Lord, this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. You took up 
our sicknesses, our infirmities, and you carried our diseases, they were nailed on the cross. And I love these two other scriptures that says, those that fear the Lord, the son of righteousness arises with healing in his wings. But that, that word wings can be rays of light, beams. It's like, Lord, the son of righteousness arises because I fear the Lord with healing in his rays to shine on me today. Romans 8.11, the same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is living in us. And he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to our bodies. The Holy Spirit's in me giving me life and strength. But see, as you, as you do this every day, as you're meditating on these scriptures and you're seeing that healing virtue flow into you and your family, you can begin to walk in divine health because your mind is being renewed to the scriptures. And because of that, your faith level is coming way up. Before, you used to be able to believe God down here. Now, you're beginning to believe God way up here. Your faith level is just skyrocketing. And I'm telling you, friend, you can literally feel, as you worship the Lord, you can literally feel the power of God just sweep through you as you're saying, Lord, I receive that virtue. And what will happen is that virtue flows into you. It will begin to burn up and kill bacteria, sickness. It begins to fry it and get it out of your body injuries, things that have been wrong, all of a sudden that pain starts being alleviated and your body's beginning to line up with the Word of God. As you do this every day, you can walk in divine health. John G. Lake understood this, whenever, and you guys know about it from the cell group, but he understood this, that when sickness got around him and it touched him, it would die. That you can begin to walk, not in arrogance, because it has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with me. It has, nothing to, it has everything to do with those stripes that he took. That's it. But because of those stripes, you can walk in divine health and sickness can be defeated. Then, you begin to understand that Christ delivered you from the curse of the law. Now, this is huge. This is huge. Because of sin in the past, because of sin, the enemy used to be able to influence and oppress your life. He used to be able to make people sick. He used to be able to make you sick. He used to be able to oppress you mentally. He used to be able to do a lot of things. But now, because Christ redeemed you from the curse of the law, his influence and his oppression in your life is broken and it's got to be removed. And so as you're there and you're worshiping the Lord and you still have this wafer and you still have this juice and you're picturing the cross and you're seeing, it's, the Bible says that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is anyone who's hung on a tree. So you're picturing Jesus hung on the tree and he became a curse for you. Are y'all hearing me? He was hanging there on the cross and he became a curse. And because he became a curse for you, that means the power of the curse is broken off you now. And the Bible says now the blessings given to Abraham come on you as a Gentile. And as you picture the power of the cross, the power of the blood, washing out of you and your family all Satan's influence and oppression, all that darkness, all that junk, it's flushing it out of your life, then you can imagine and see the blessings given Abraham come on you. 
That renews your thinking, it renews your mind, it changes who you are, it increases your faith. Man, this will change your life. So what were the curses under the law? You don't necessarily have to memorize this, but I want you to think about this. Under the law, when people sinned, these curses would come on them and many times their whole family. Humiliation, barrenness, the inability to have children, mental breakdown, like insanity and mental illness, physical breakdown, sickness and disease, family breakdown, like divorce, strife, family alienation, poverty, famine, defeat, oppression, failure, and God's disfavor. That's a cursed life. Somebody that's living humiliated, they're, they're living defeated. They have barrenness, they have mental breakdown. <coughs> Excuse me. Physical breakdown, family breakdown, poverty, defeat. This is a cursed life. But when Jesus took that on the cross, y'all please hear me, it was nailed there. He became that for you. It was paid for. And now what I do is I'm sitting here and I have the communion. And I'm like, Lord, and these are the blessings given to Abraham. They're there. I haven't broke down into five places. But I say, Lord, I thank you today that all Satan's influence and oppression, I see the blood of Jesus washing that out of me and my family completely. There's no more oppression. It's not remaining. There's no more Satan's influence. There's no darkness. There's not going to be any sickness. There's not going to be lack. There's not going to be oppression. There's not going to be failure. And I sit there and I say, Lord, I thank you that I receive on me and my family right now exaltation and promotion. The blessing of being the head, not the tail. I receive it and I can see it with my mind's eye. It's just like the blessing of God just rests on me and my family in ministry. And I sit there and I say, Lord, I thank you that I receive on me and my family in ministry right now divine health, long life, and reproductiveness. That's the blessings given to Abraham. The Bible says he would not put the diseases of the Egyptians on you. That's the world. But you can have divine health, you can have long life and reproductiveness. And then the third category, I say, Lord, I receive right now and I see it with my mind's I can see the blessings of prosperity and abundance settling over me and my family. That Lord, it's the, the Bible says it's the blessing of the Lord that makes rich and adds no sorrow. That, Lord, you give us the power to gain wealth and durable riches. You know what durable riches are? That means that it's going to last. Because the blessing of the Lord, it lasts longer and works better than it should normally. This is really good preaching, friend. I'm telling you that it will change your life. Not because I'm preaching it, but because I believe that what I'm preaching will change your life. I really do. Now, the other one is favor with God and man. Do you remember how Joseph was in the prison and God raised him up in a 24-hour period? Please hear me. raised him up in a 24-hour period to go from prison into the palace. God's favor on your life. And Lord, I sit there and say, Lord, I thank you. I receive the blessing given to Abraham of favor resting on me and my family and ministry that every person we come in contact with today... Every situation, every circumstance is going to move into my favor. People are going to like me that normally wouldn't. People are going to be nice to me that normally wouldn't because there's some kind of a favor. There's some kind of a favor there. 
And when circumstances arise, somehow it's going to end up turning in my favor. And then, I love my, one of my favorite stories in the whole Bible is when Abraham and his little family took on four, four kings and their armies. Four kings and their armies and whipped them good, friend. And took back Lot. I love that story because that is only possible by the blessing of God. There is no way that I could go get my family and go out and whip four armies without God's favor. Now, if God did it, of course we could. But I'm saying there's no way in the natural that's possible. It's only the blessing of God on Abraham's life. And I sit there and I say, Lord, I remember the victory you gave Abraham and I received today the blessings of victory over all my enemies. And let me tell you, it's not just today, but you need to see in your future, you need to see like all the satanic attack and all the stuff from the devil being parted like the Red Sea and moving out of your way. And you see the blessings of God on your future. You need to see that. Because too many people are seeing... It's almost like they have a mentality of gloom. Like when they close their eyes and look at the future, they see bad. There's something bad coming. I just know. And it's like, listen, if you really believe that and you think that, number one, that's sad and tormented. But number two, you're liable to make it happen. Did you know that the way you think can actually make things happen? That people, by the way they think, it reflects in every area of their life. It, it causes things to show up on their countenance. It causes a presence around them. And it causes people to treat them differently. And every area of your life can be affected. The Bible says, as a man thinks, so he is. So you are what you think. And from the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. So what's in your heart comes out of your mouth. So here's what I'm trying to say. The way you think gets down into your heart. And then once it gets in your heart, it starts coming out of your mouth and it affects your whole life. So if you change the way you think, that's going to get down in your heart. And then that's going to come out of your mouth. And then it's going to begin to create the blessings of God all around you. This is the Word. This is really the Word of God. And God is wanting us to come out of old stinking thinking and start moving into a prosperity mentality. I believe God is looking down from heaven. The scripture says He owns the cattle on a thousand hills and all these things about I've given you the power to gain wealth, all these promises. I believe He looks down and He's looking at the body of Christ sometimes going, what are you thinking? Start thinking different. Start thinking what I told you. And if people would think different and speak different, they would begin to see things different. God's wanting us to break out of old poverty mentalities, old defeated mentalities, negative mentalities. But it's only going to be able to happen as you apply this to your life. And see, I've seen people, and I'm only just saying this as a warning. The, the Bible talks about the book of James about seeing hearing the Word of God but not doing it, and it's like somebody that looks in the mirror, walks away, and forgets what they look like. Some people, they literally will hear stuff like this, and then tomorrow's no different. I challenge you to start applying this. And if you really start applying the Word of God, I promise you, you're going to notice a huge change in your life. And that you discipline your mind that I'm not going to put up with this old thinking. Whenever these fearful thoughts, this negative stuff tries to come, I'm going to ask God to forgive me and remove it. And let me tell you, if it's, if it's the devil, then take authority over it. Quit putting up with it. I bind that spirit. Get out of here in Jesus' name. But don't accept it. 
I've seen people literally sit around in a dark room and feel sorry for themselves. And go, I've seen it. I've been in the ministry. I've seen it. And you're sitting there going, friend, of course you are depressed. Get some sunlight in your life, man. Think differently. Forgive and get, forget the past. Some people live in the past. It's like a broken record. You're constantly hearing about stuff from their past. Get over that and into your future. Or do you really want to live tormented like that? Ask yourself that question. Do you really want to live tormented like that the rest of your life, that you're 60, 70, 80 years old, still tormented? Do you really want to live like that? Or do you want to get past it and shake it off? So the renewing of your mind and soul, Romans 10.10 For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and with your mouth that you confess and are saved. You know, the word in the Greek for for saved is that word sozo. That means, it means saved, but it means healed, delivered, protected. Let me say it again. It means healed, delivered, protected, preserved, made to do well, prosper. It means all those things. Everything that Jesus paid for you to have on the cross is in that word. And what God's trying to say to people is, if you'll believe my word in your heart and speak it with your mouth and change the way you think and believe my word, you're going to start seeing that sozoed life, that's, that life that Jesus paid for you to have on the cross. So begin to imagine the cross flowing over you and your family. Begin to meditate on scriptures. It's the birthing place of true faith as it moves down into your heart. And here's what I want to kind of close with right here is this. It's important to receive things by faith. You know, there's times that I pray for people. I go a lot of places sometimes. And over the years, I've gone to a lot of places to pray for a lot of different people. And you learn something. How many knows that, you know, when the Holy Ghost is moving, He's moving, okay? Okay. I mean, the gun is loaded, friend. Okay? You're praying for people. That's just the way it is. It's, it's loaded. But you'll see as you're praying for people, you see some people really getting hit by the power and other people it's like... And a lot. I'm not saying this is always the case. But a lot of times, it's, it's a lack of them really receiving. Either they don't know how to receive or they don't, they don't believe that God will touch them. Maybe because they think they're worthless, they're undeserving. I don't know. But this goes back to the wrong thinking. You've got to understand that we don't deserve anything. None of us do. Of course we don't. That's the whole message of Calvary. None of us deserve anything. We don't deserve to be saved. We don't deserve to be God's child. We don't deserve to be healed or delivered. But because Jesus paid for it on the cross, as undeserving as we are, we still receive that. It's still a benefit which makes us humble and appreciative for what God did. And so as, as you go to receive, let's say somebody's praying over the television. You know, I can just see a lot of people sitting there saying, oh, well, you know. Well, what about if you changed and you said, you know what, Lord, I believe I receive whatever you have for me. What would happen? What would happen when you pray in the morning, you're like, Lord, I believe I received the blood of Jesus washing over me, that healing virtue flowing in me. I see that blood flushing out all Satan's influence. I believe now I receive it right now. It's in my life now. What would happen whenever preachers go through to pray for you? If you said, as soon as they came, you're like, Lord, I receive that right now. I receive it in Jesus' name. And you had a mentality of taking things by faith. I think a lot of times people are hindered because I can just see the power of God just flowing and hitting people. And then you get to some people and the power of God goes like this and they have a doubt or an unbelief there and they're going, I don't deserve anything from God. And it goes like this. 
and then it passes them by. And it's not because they don't deserve anything. None of us deserve anything. But it's because they're not taking it by faith. It's available to them just like it is anybody else. And a lot of times it's people sit back and they get this attitude. You know, what about when you're at a Benny Hinn meeting? And he's standing there and he says, right now the Holy Spirit's moving, receive. Well, these people sit back and they go, well, I wish you'd lay hands on me, then I'd receive. Friend, listen. Take what is there in the atmosphere. Lord, I receive it now. I take it by faith. And say it, say that. And watch as something starts happening in you. You know, people a lot of times say, well, I'll believe whenever this... Look, we've got to learn how to start taking things by faith. Though you don't see it, though you don't feel it, you still grab it. I believe there's a lot of miracles a lot of times that people have missed because of that right there. So I challenge you to begin to take everything by faith. You're in a conference somewhere. Some preacher gets up you've never even seen before. And he says, right now there's something flowing in the room. Well, instead of questioning that, why not just be like, Lord, I believe I receive whatever you have for me in this place. I take it right now. I want everything you have for me. If you had that attitude and you spoke that out of your mouth, you watch as what's circling in that atmosphere and the power of God starts flowing into you. I remember one time I was, um, I was at a conference with Dutch Sheets and um, he was preaching. And... He had said, there's something being released. And he, and he spoke it out like that. And I remember standing there, see, I had learned this. There was a time years ago that I would have missed it. But I learned this and I said, man, Lord, I take it right now and I receive it. And I literally felt. But I guarantee you there were people in there that said, well, you know, if he come through and lay hands on everybody, you know, maybe we'd get it. <laughs> and that's true. If he did come through and lay hands, they would. You know what I'm saying? It works both ways. But the point is, is that whether we get hands laid on us or not, it's, an, it's a faith thing of taking it. Taking it by faith. But I want to start hearing testimonies about this, friend. Now listen, my heart is that we're going deeper in prayer. I want to hear about people saying, you know, I notice going throughout my day, I'm feeling more of the glory in my life. But let it take you to greater realms of humility. Because you've got to understand, it's only there by the blood. You need to constantly think that way. It's o- I only have God's presence in my life because of the blood of Jesus. It's not because I'm some you know, fantastic man or woman of prayer. It's not because I've, I've done this, that, or the other. Or because I'm so righteous today. It's none of that. It's because the blood of Jesus is over me. The blood is drawing the glory of God into my life. It's the blood. And it's because of His stripes that I'm healed. It's not because I prayed... 34 times that I know it's because of his stripes that I'm healed and always giving glory to the cross always giving glory to Jesus always giving him his due glory and see that's we need to live our lives always for his name and his fame never listen to me never for our name and our fame never do anything to self-promote Try to get the attention or try to get people to look at you. I've seen people sometimes that they'll pray and the power of God to hit somebody and then they're looking around to see if everybody saw God use them. You know, it's a pride thing. Never, ever is it to be about me or you. It is always for His name and His glory in the earth. His name and His fame. Let that be the motto in your life. For His name and His fame.
presence of God is awesome. So this is how I want to pray for people. I felt today in prayer, I felt the power of God hit me, and I knew that God was really wanting to touch everybody tonight. But here's 2 Timothy 1.7. God has not given us a spirit of timidity, or that means fear, or intimidation. God has not given you a spirit of intimidation. But of power, love, and discipline. That's a, it means sound mind there. Disciplined mind. So see, it's the power of the Holy Spirit that will help you discipline your mind. Please hear me. By the power of the Holy Spirit, the Lord helps us to discipline our imagination where we're seeing victory in our lives and victory in our future. Where we're thinking now victory, we're thinking Scripture, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we're keeping our emotions under control. Man, y'all need to hear this. I feel the Holy Spirit tell me to talk about this for just a moment. But see, the power of the Holy Spirit helps us now to have a disciplined soul. And part of your soul is your emotions. Mm -hmm. Some people have a lack of discipline in their personal life. They have a lack of discipline when it comes to prayer. They have a lack of discipline when it comes to their lust. They have a lack of discipline when it comes to their attitude. They're quick to get angry and fly off the handle. They're quick to be happy, but they're also quick to be depressed. They have no control over their emotions at all. It just hangs out there. The Holy Spirit is wanting to help, help people get their emotions under control because you, what you've got to realize when you have a lack of discipline in your emotions, you're not only hurting yourself, you're hurting people around you. You're doing things and saying things that's hurting people. And people may forgive you, but sometimes it takes people time to get healed from the wounds that's inflicted on them. And so the Lord is wanting people to get their, their passions, their emotions, their, listen, I'm going to flat out say it, their sexuality, everything about your life that has to do with the emotions, to get that under control and harnessed. Where it's not dominating you, you're in control of it by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a disciplined soul, a disciplined mind, a disciplined imagination, and a disciplined emotions. I'm not going to lose my temper. The person is trying to get me to lose my temper, but I'm under control. The power of the Holy Spirit is there to help me. And some people have got to understand, the Bible talks about forgetting what's behind and pressing on to what's ahead. It's time to forget what's behind and quit living in the past. You know, David understood this. See, a lot of people think they, they remember something negative in the past, and then because they keep remembering that, it's almost like a stronghold in them. Now they project that into their future. So they remember it, and then they see something negative in their imagination in their future. But see, David understood, I killed the lion and the bear. And he understood to remember the victories of the Lord in the past. And not try to dwell on negative things in the past. But he remembered the victories of the Lord in his past. And when he stood before Saul... And he was about to face a giant. He said, listen, this is a strong soul right here. He said, King Saul, when I was in the field, I killed the lion and I killed the bear. That's what I remember. And now I imagine when I go out there, I'm going to take the head off that giant. And he had faith because he remembered the victories of the past. We need to have a disciplined soul where we remember the victories of the past and quit dwelling on the negative. 
If you're not careful, you can dwell on, on hurtful things in your past and get bitter. You've got to forget, forget forgetting what's behind and pressing on to what God has for you. And then Romans 1.11 says, I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That scripture actually means there, in, in, the, in the Greek I studied out, it says, I long to be with you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift that will take you to a place of strength. In other words, the anointing of the Holy Spirit goes in you, and then that anointing begins to strengthen you, and develop you, and change you, and take you to a place, take you to a place of strength. But it's the power of the Holy Spirit, please hear this, it's the power of the Holy Spirit that takes you to a place of strength. And so as you begin to renew your mind and change the way you think, God will give you victories. And God's, I'm telling you by the power of the Holy Spirit, some people that hear this, I've learned from experience that there's some people that, that hear and they really hear it and they apply it and then there's others, unfortunately, that don't. But those that really hear this and apply it, you're going to see that you're, the way you think is going to radically change. Your faith level is going to radically change. And at the same time, you're going to find yourself growing more and more humble. Because it's actually increasing your faith, but it's also increasing your humility. Because you realize how undeserving that we really are. But it's only because of the cross that we have it. You're going to find yourself walking in the glory that you haven't known. You're going to be driving down the, down the road in your car and you're going to feel glory in your car. And you're like, man, you're going to lay in your bed and feel it. You're going to be at work and you're going to feel the glory on you. And you're going to think, man, this is different. There's just a new level of glory. And it's because you realize, and this is, this is what I want to pray about and close right now, is that the blood of Jesus on the mercy seat in the Holy of Holies, the blood that was applied brought the glory. And the blood on you will bring the glory. The blood over the church brings the glory. That's why I take communion all the time with you guys, because I want the glory. And I understand that we have to have the blood over our lives to have the glory. And in these last days, the glory of God, we're going to move past just operating in faith. We're going to move past just operating in the anointing. We're going to move past just having scriptural knowledge. And we're going to begin to move into a realm of the thick, weighty glory of God over our lives and our homes and our vehicles and our travels that the enemy is going to have a hard time getting through. Because when the glory of God is there, it acts like a smoke screen that the enemy has a hard time seeing through. The glory, when it's there, forms a shield of protection. How would you like to be hedged about by fire? That's the glory that around you is a hedge of fire, and the enemy has a hard time getting through that. And God is taking His church in these last days to a realm of the glory that our predecessors, our forefathers, did not know. And the Bible predicts it. It says, Arise and shine, your light has come. The glory of the Lord is upon you. Nations will come to the light of your brightness. And that's in the last days. Thick darkness is on the earth, but the glory will arise upon God's people. Man, I feel the glory here tonight. I want to pray for people for an impartation. I'm going to move quickly. But I want you to take it by faith that the impartation that God is putting in you is to take you to a place of strength in the area of renewing your mind and in prayer. The things I preached on tonight. 
that you see the cross and you see the blood flowing over, you see the healing power and you're changing the way you think now to this, the way the scripture says and you see yourself different. You see yourself the way the Bible says you are, not the way you feel.